Well, if you haven't noticed, uh, Richard mentioned earlier, it's, we're ending up Missions Week, and uh, we were blessed this week to have Sean with us last week. You came and shared, and then him and the team were with us all week, and it was such a blessing. And we're, uh, we're going to allow Sean to say just a couple words. Uh, well, more like a few, not just a couple, but we'll allow him to say a few words. You, you've got to know me already. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Buenos dias. Howdy. <laughs> I'm a fixin' to go home this afternoon. <laughs> I've learned how to speak Texan this week. Praise God. Um, are some of my girls here? Where's my girls? Let's have you standing up a second. Where are you? No, seriously, stand up. <laughs> uh, the, the younger kids were here earlier on, but they've gone off to the, uh, the, young, the young people's events now. You can be seated now here. I've never known them to be so obedient in all my life. Stand up, sit down. Uh, no, it's been a fantastic week. And uh, I just wanted to say right at the end of the week, thanks again for all your wonderful hospitality, your welcome, your generosity, the way you live out your discipleship here, the way you uh, demonstrate church in this place. Uh, I can't thank you enough for all that you have shown us uh, and all that you've shared with us. We go home back to South Yorkshire, uh, richer people, uh, enriched by God's grace because we've been with you. And uh, so God bless you all. Um, I, I noticed a number of people wearing really nice clothes today, really fancy clothes, like Jeff. Doesn't he look good? Okay, two of you think so. Um, it could have been worse. He'll tell you about that in a minute when I've gone. Uh, but uh, this is my outfit. It took me ages to get it right. This is conservative British. All right, this took a while to get right. God bless you all, and uh, I hope it's not too long before our two churches connect up again and are able to continue to enrich uh, and embolden each other uh, uh, in the sharing of the good news and joining in the mission of God, uh, both here uh, and over in England. God bless you all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. Yes, as, as Sean mentioned, y'all are deeply deeply indebted to him more than you even realize. A, a year ago, Sean and his, and, and his wife and daughter came, and, and then, uh, actually it was a little more than a year ago, and then a, a little less than a year ago, our team went over there. And before our team went, I emailed Sean and I said, Sean, we have these missions weeks, and we like to ask our members to wear the, the clothing that they've acquired on, on mission trips or whatever to represent those countries. And I said, Sean, our team is coming over there in a few weeks, I want to send money with them, and I want you to find me a kilt and, uh, so I can wear it on Sunday. And Sean was gracious enough that he fumbled through a couple of emails back and forth, couldn't find the right one. My, my mother's father is, is Scottish, and, back in, and so we were trying to find the right lineage. And he you know, just kept finding reasons why he couldn't get me a kilt. And finally, he just said, Jeff, it's just not cool. <laughs> um, so he has saved you this morning from having to look at my bare legs. And I'm sure he'll get large jewels in heaven uh, as a result of that. We are, we are closing up Missions Week this week. And uh, this church has historically been a missional church long before I came. Uh, decades and, and much longer than that. Our, our church has been a missional church and, and people have been going around the world. And this, this morning we, we close out Missions Week. I uh, kind of want to reiterate who we are and why we do the things we do. 
uh, in, when it comes to missions. Eight years ago, we, we adopted a new vision. The Mission Commission came together and we adopted, uh, laid out a mission vision for our church that incorporated several different things. Um, one of those was that we wanted uh, every member of our church to go on a short-term mission trip over the next 10 years. And, um, and we've, we've accomplished that largely two-thirds of our congregation have been on short-term mission trips. And, and we wanted several other things that I'll get to in a little bit. But the question I always, always get asked when referring to missions by people in church is, or, or, or statements rather than question is, I, 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 that is great, I'm just not called to missions. And before we can, we can go anywhere else this morning, I need to clarify for us that, that our God is a missional God. God was the first missionary. And that from the fall of man, God set in motion a plan to send his son Jesus Christ to come to us to share his father's love, to restore us to a right relationship with his father. Thus, Jesus was the first missionary. His strategy and plans were planned out much before uh, you and I were ever born. Later on, God would call his people and he would, he would bring them into being through Abraham's lineage, if you remember. And when God gave Abraham the promise of his descendants and, and who would be his people, God started by calling Abraham to leave his home and his family and to go. And God didn't even tell him where he was going. See, all throughout the Bible, you see that God is a missional God. And, and somewhere along the way in our American culture particularly, we have separated the two, a calling to missions from the attitude or the essence of what Christianity is all about. But I, before we go anywhere this morning, we have to clarify that you cannot separate the two. To be a Christian is to be a missionary. And to not be called to missions is to not be a Christian. Let me clarify. Paul says that for us to be Christians, to us to bear the name of Christ, is, means that we have died to ourselves, that we have confessed with our mouth that Christ is Lord. He says, I no longer live, yet it is Christ who lives in me. And the Bible tells us that it is Christ's desire that none should perish, no, not one, but that all would come to have eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is God's desire. If me being a Christian, by definition, biblically, is that I have died to myself, the old, everything carnal that is Jeff Dietz is gone, and the life I now live is, is lived by the Holy Spirit who resides in me, the life I live is in Jesus Christ, then by essence of definition to bear the name of Christ is, I am dead, Christ is alive in me, therefore Christ's heart, his desires are becoming my desires. Christ desires that none would perish, but that all would come to know him as Lord and Savior, that all would be restored to a rightful relationship with his Father. And if that is the heartbeat of Christ, then as Christians who are people who are formerly people that are now dead to themselves, that are now living a life in Christ, Christ's desires are their desires. Somewhere along the way, we've gotten to this point where we feel that we can be Christians and not be called to be, a mission, to be missionaries. But the truth is, is that if we are Christians, we are called to bear the image of Christ. His desires becoming our desires. Heard theologians 
say it a different way. They say often that others' prevenient grace becomes our sanctifying grace. Now, those are theological terms. I'm going to explain a little bit. Prevenient grace. Richard mentioned earlier as we were baptizing this infant that we are asking the Holy Spirit in, 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 the, in the liturgy that we recited, we are asking the Holy Spirit to come and extend his grace upon this child and that he might be raised in church till such a time as he might choose for themselves the salvation that God bestows upon them. Paul says that the things of God are foolishness to man without the Holy Spirit. You and I could not come to a place where we recognize our need of Christ in our life without God sending His Holy Spirit to extend us enough grace to make this concept of God even something that we could grasp, comprehend, and understand. That is prevenient grace. That before you and I even even surrendered our lives to God, He extended His grace to us to give us understanding. All of us who claim to be Christians have experienced His prevenient grace. After we ask Christ to be the Lord of our lives, we die to ourselves, then we begin to experience what theologians call sanctifying grace, which is God's work in us to make us more like Christ. And in our sanctification process, the process through which God makes us more like Christ, is a continual process until we reach eternity with God. Christ comes back and, we, and, and, and the old is gone and we get to spend that time with Christ. The beautiful thing about our Christian faith is that often when we are sharing, when we allow ourselves to be the vessels through which God extends prevenient grace to someone who's not yet received Him as Lord and Savior, the same Holy Spirit's grace that is flowing through us to give, extend to them prevenient grace becomes the exact same grace that sanctifies us, that makes us more like Christ. The goal of a Christian is to die completely to self, to become completely sanctified, to allow our God to make us like Christ himself. And it is God's heart that all would come to know him as their Lord and Savior. So to say today that I'm in the room and I am a Christian, yet I am not called to be a missional person, or I'm not called to be a missionary, is contradictory. We cannot separate the two. And if we do, then we have a confused uh, perspective on what it really means to be a Christian. Follow me? Amen. All right. Thus, we're going to talk this morning. If you've been, if you came last week and you've been going through the devotional that we handed out, the Mission Commission put together a phenomenal devotional. Uh, it gave us six words on how we could reach God's world. And the reason I, I wanted to, t- to explain things before I got into this this morning is because we need to understand that the very things that help us become missional people, the very things that help us take the gospel to the world, are the very things that will make us grow in intimacy in our relationship with Christ. These very things that are tools that God uses to take prevenient grace to the lost world are the very things that God will use to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ. So as we go through these words, don't think that these are just things that are suggestions for people who are called to be missionaries. These are things for all Christians to become God's missional heart. All right? Amen. So the first le- word we looked through in the devotional, if you didn't get the chance to go through it, there's some extra ones out there. Stop by, pick one up, go through it this week. Phenomenal devotional, and, and I won't have time to go too deeply into all these words, but we want to we skim over them. Learn. You and I are in a constant state, or should be in a constant state of learning and teaching. 
In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, like we like to call it, where Jesus sends out his disciples, he, he very directly and distinctly tells them, uh, in your Bibles, it will say, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In the original text, it really means, As you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them in the way they should go. That's Matthew 28, where you will find that. As Jesus is indicating there, he doesn't start off by saying, go and teach people to be like Christ. Go and teach them. He starts off by saying, as you are going, making disciples. This is very important because our, our role is not to teach others to become disciples. Our goal is to make disciples, which implies that we are becoming and being the disciples of Christ himself as he's talking to his disciples. Let me explain that a little further. In John 15, 15, before Jesus comes to the point where he preaches the Great Commission, he says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls us his friends. When we become Christians, we are adopted sons and daughters, as Paul puts it, of the king. His business becomes our business, is what Christ says. And so in that context, then later on, when he's about to leave, Jesus tells his disciples, go as you're going and making disciples. In other words, like I said in John 15, 15, just as I was being taught by my father and I taught you you are going out, and as you've been taught by me, you're teaching others. And as they've been taught by you, they teach others. As Christians, our, one of our roles, one of our major, uh, major principles of life as Christians is to be in a constant state of learning from our Father and then teaching others. A disciple is not just one who absorbs. A disciple is one who is taught and is teaching. That was very clear for these disciples, and Jesus had made that very clear. We know our Father's business, and therefore it is our role to teach others. If we ever get to a point in our faith where we get to the place where we think that there is nothing more left that is pertinent for us to learn, then we become pharmaceutical. You see, the Pharisees gave their lives passionately towards fulfilling the law. And abiding by the law. They even went farther. They made their own laws to keep from breaking the laws of God. And, and these people dedicated their lives to that. So much so that they thought they were doing a wonderful job. They had added to the law to make sure they didn't even get close to breaking his law. The only problem is in that they got comfortable and that they thought that there was nothing left for them to learn. And by doing that they missed the very, the very important, the most important part of God's plan. Which was the fulfillment of the very law they were trying not to break. It was Jesus Christ, the Messiah himself. There's a certain amount of humility that comes with a learner. A learner one is one who recognizes, I am not complete. I still have much to learn. And in that humility, it is where we learn and are able to teach others. And, and as Christians, we need to constantly be learning. When it comes to missions, we need, should constantly be asking the question, where is God moving in our world today? Where does he want to move? How is he moving? What are the things, what are ways that I can get involved? God, your heart is that none would perish today. How are you moving in our globe? How can your desires become my desires? Just like the proverb says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will, or trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. As I trust 
ask you is I acknowledge that you are God. You know everything as I am in a constant state of learning from you. And I place my trust in you that you will guide me as my Lord, my Savior. He begins to instill in me his desires. And so as I trust in him, he gives me the desires of my heart because my desires are his desires. Does that make sense? And so as I begin to long, as my heart breaks for the thing that breaks God's heart, as I begin to really fully not just understand up here, but comprehend and embrace the fact that it's God's desire that none should perish, then my desire is that the lost around me would come to know His saving grace. And as I desire in that and trust in the Lord, He will give me the desires of my heart. He will give me the lost as an inheritance. Because he's given them to Christ as an inheritance, is what Isaiah says. I should constantly be in, in, a, in a position where I'm saying, God, how do you want to use me to reach the lost? Because that is the desire of your heart. My Christianity is not about me. It's about you and your desires. Let me be your instrument to fulfill your glory. And when I develop that attitude, see, that's when my relationship with Christ begins to grow more and more and more intimate. Because the provenient grace coming through me to the lost around me becomes my sanctifying grace. Often we, we as Christians, we stand around and we say, where is God? Why is he forsaken me? Why do my prayers feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling? Why does God allow us to suffer? The common subject there is not God. It's me. Let me tell you something. I've seen various miracles throughout my life. But the greatest miracle of all, the most life-impacting, changing miracle I have ever experienced is one someone who has never known Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior comes to receive the grace and freedom of knowing Him as their Lord and Savior. There is nothing greater than that. There is nothing that will lift you up, bring you joy in the, in the circumstances you find yourself in, bring you into a place of God's grace, loving, power, and abundance, like seeing those who are lost come to know Him. Just ask someone who's led someone to the Lord. Ask someone who's been on a mission trip, who spent their well-earned money to go elsewhere, and, and has seen someone who did not know Christ come to know Christ and ask them if they would trade that for the money they spent. And I guarantee you they would say no every single time. There is nothing like seeing the power of Jesus Christ come and change a soul right in front of your eyes. We have various different missionaries at this church that we support with our faith promise uh, that their salary comes from our support that, that are involved in, in this learning process and teaching. Dane and Abby Daniels, who were up here leading worship just a little while ago, they just left staff here, and, and Dane went to work for Pioneer Bible Translators. Just spend some time, ask him some time about what he's doing and watch the passion that comes into his life as he begins to tell you about the number of nations around this world, people groups who do not have a Bible written in their own language. And, and, and look at the passion with which he serves his life to inform us on how we can help the Bible be, be translated into their languages. He's helping us learn. Russ Wise is sitting over here, Russ and Wendy. Russ serves the Lord, and he's one of our missionaries we support. He serves the Lord in educating people and keeping up current on different religions, uh, di different cults. He's an incredible man of knowledge. 
You know, if you've ever, she's not, well, she said she's not on TV anymore. She's on her own network now. But Oprah, just about every other day, reads a new book and puts a new book out uh, into her religious potluck because everything is of God for her. And if you've ever followed her, and, 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 and so much so that there's so much stuff out there coming out every day that, that you might be confused. You might go, well, what is this? I myself have had to call Russ several times and said, hey, I heard about this. Russ is always current on the current day philosophies, cults, and religions. And he, he lives a life educating the church and keeping us up to date on those things. Incredible, valuable resource. If you've got that friend at work or family member that's believing something that you know nothing about, ask Russ. That's what he does. Bob and Ann Rosser are other missionaries that we support. Bob and Ann Rosser, uh, they go themselves. They're in Central America based primarily. But they spend time in Central America teaching seminary, teaching people to how, to how to lead others to become disciples themselves. And so, once again, that process is duplicating. Learning is a vital process of our missional life as a church. And it's a vital process of our lives as Christians. Praying is the next word we visited this week. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. In Romans chapter 1 and in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes to the audience of his letters and he says this, I am praying without ceasing for you. Prayer is a vital part, not just of our missional life, but it's a vital part of our Christian walk. We have two missionaries that we support that are Colombians. You know, I mentioned one of our long-term visions that I was going to mention later. One of our long-term visions that we adopted eight years ago that was that in, over the course of, of several years that the majority of our missionary support would be either homegrown church people, people that have grown up in this church that are now in missions, or nationals. And, and Viviana and, and Fabian are nationals that are serving in Colombia. We go and do missions down there quite often. We work with street kids. And, and, and they are on the front lines of leading street kids, sharing the gospel with them. But prayer is something that could not, could not be absent from this ministry or it wouldn't work. They find themselves in the darkest of the darks, the lowest of the low. In, in the capital, Bogota, everybody knows Colombia for its reputation with drugs around the world. And in the capital of Colombia, there's a street. And I don't even know the name of the street because everybody in Colombia calls that street the Bronx. And it is, it is literally a street that goes from one corner to the other, and there's only two ways in, each side. This street is the epicenter for drug addiction and prostitution, not just in Colombia, but around the world. And this street is so overwhelmed spiritually that the military and the police in Colombia won't even walk down that street. They have basically given that street to those demonic strongholds. The police won't walk down the street. The military won't come down that street because they know if they go in that street, they're not coming out the other side. So they basically just left it to, to, to the strongholds that are there. And, and the, the ministry that we work with there that was started in part due to members of this church, old members, uh, Steve and Lisa Mickler, um, they go every week and they stand on the corner. They can't go in the street because they know that they'll get murdered and robbed. Um, but they go on the corner and they feed, they feed these, these homeless people. And these kids that come out of these streets. And they've been praying for decades that God would allow them to go in there. But they know that they can't go in, in there without the protection and the blessing of the Lord. And that, that street has been given to the spiritual powers of darkness. 
And so they go and they stand on the corner and they feed the homeless and they come out and feed. And we've done that many times. But these people understand, these missionaries understand that, that without the authority and the blessing of God, you do not advance. Prayer is vital. And this man especially knows because he was on the streets as a homeless child at age five when the ministry pulled him out. Without prayer, this would never work. Never work for them. We have to go. We have to be willing to go. Both missionally and as Christians. Your colleague that sits in the cubicle next to you that does not know Christ will never come to know Christ if you're not willing to step across the hall. You have to go. Your family member that does not know Christ might never come to know Christ if you don't go, if you don't pick up that phone, if you don't begin and initiate that conversation. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, as you are going. Jesus didn't even command us to go. Jesus assumed that his disciples understood by the model of discipleship that it was just, it came natural to them as his disciples, that they would be doing the same that he had done. That they would be going and doing his work. Going and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them in the way that they should go. It is our role as Christians to go. And it is important in missions as in our personal life. John and Rebecca Scarborough come from this church, have family in this church. They're missionaries we support. He's, he leads a YWAM base in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was in our earlier service today. And, and they train people for missions. That's basically what they do primarily. Interesting circle of events. Fabian Martinez, the picture you saw before this one, the five-year-old who was wandering the streets in Colombia as a homeless child who the ministry picked up off the streets that now has grown into a wonderful 20-year-old man who is a missionary for the ministry that picked him off the streets, about to become the first college-educated homeless child to come out of the ministry uh, as, as we continue to support him. He received his YWAM discipleship training and school of evangelism training at... Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's wonderful that God works those circle events and works those things out. Without us going to Columbia, Fabian would still be a homeless child. Without Mark going and, and, and training missionaries, this child, once he had gotten off the streets and felt called to go by the Lord and become a vocational missionary, do that full time, he wouldn't have been able to go and be trained uh, by someone from this very church now as this church supports him. God is a good God. Tyler Savage, a mem former member or still is a member of our church, is in Germany. And he is working in, in, in Germany finding creative ways to share the gospel. Western Europe has become one of the, by all mission-sending organizations, agree that Western Europe now is the hardest place to reach with the gospel. Even harder than Muslim nations. Because while no Muslim nations might be closed, when people hear the gospel, they are receptive. But in Western Europe, the, the history and the culture of the church and the political nature of the church in that area of the world has caused people culturally to become just genuinely apathetic. So every mission organization agrees that now Western Europe is the hardest place to reach with the gospel. And someone from this church has grown up in this church, seen the mission-minded of this church. We are now supporting him and sending him out into Western Europe to find ways, creative ways, that we can bridge that gap with this apathetic generation.
Charles and Becky Jackson, members that were sitting in our earlier service, they are doing work in Brazil and India alike, and they, they go. And, and the truth of the matter is where, where you and I can go to our neighbor, we can go to our colleague, it's hard for us to pick up and go overseas. But because we are able to support people like the Jacksons, they can go and go various times and develop the relationships and teach and pray and, and enable people and, and see God's work done. We need to be sending people. Isaiah chapter 6, we see Isaiah see the vision of God in heaven, and God is saying, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Whom shall go, and whom shall we send? And Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. Later on, we know that Christ came, and he says, As you are going, it is the heart of God that the, the people who don't know him have someone to go and share them with him. And we see that in the picture of heaven descript in Isaiah chapter 6. We see it as Christ is commanding his, his disciples, as you are going, sharing the word. We need to be sending people out. Some of you in the room feel like you are at a place in life where, where you have retired and you feel like your, your job is done at the church. You've taught children for very faithful years and now it's time to just come and receive. And the reality of it is, is retirement for a Christian doesn't happen until Christ comes back or he takes us to be with him. And if you are unable to go, then send. And you can send various different ways, not just monetarily, by prayer and other things that we've already talked about, by teaching, by helping people learn. We send. Here's, there, there's various images. I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names. We support various different missionaries for Gospel for Asia. I'm not going to pronounce their names because I butcher it. But they go places in India where we can't. Luke and Kaz Raju were in the earlier service, and they've started that orphanage in the southern part of India, but the northern part of India is highly persecuted, and a Westerner coming in draws unnecessary attention to the people they're ministering to. And these missionaries find themselves in northern India, and they're there because we pay for them to go where we cannot go in and share Christ because it is closed and we would be persecuted. The people left behind would be killed primarily. We are sending people from India to Indians to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. These men, when they get baptized, much like we just baptized or asked someone to join the church here, they don't just commit to serve the church with their faith, faithful service, attendance, gifts, and tithes. They also, as they are baptized, they're asked, are you willing to die for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because for every one of them, it is a staunch reality that they might. We can't go in that context, but they can, so we send them. This is, uh, we're going to call them uh, Spinner and his family. I won't give you the real names. We've blotted out their faces because they are serving in a country that is closed to the gospel. Once again, we can't go. But they are there on the ground. And without us giving faith promise giving and paying for their tithes, there would be no one in, in their neighborhoods, in their places of ministry, to share the gospel. Where we can't go, we send. Because those people are on God's heart just as much. So if we can't go, we will send. We've got the Rodriguez's, the Orths, and David Warner. Rodriguez's are in Colombia. The Orths are in Kenya and around the world as well in other places. And, and then the Warners uh, are working primarily in training people uh, for medical missions, training them how to do medical missions. All three of these people are, 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 are training people to send them out. And without them being supported, how could they train others? Two more. We welcome and we mobilize. Since we started our vision, 
another one of our long-term visions was that in our lifetime, First United Methodist Church of Carrollton would go somewhere that is unreached, meaning we, God would take us somewhere that had never heard the gospel and we could share the gospel and see that nation be changed from a place that is unreached to a place that is primarily Christian. And three years ago, you all know the story, God took us to Cambodia. Years before the vision was even formulated, God started bringing Khmer people into this church in Carrollton and developed a relationship there. Three years ago, some of them started attending the church here. We had started a Khmer church. Some of them started attending a church here, and you know the story of Chiv. And, 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 and three years ago, we took Chiv back to Cambodia for the first time since he had escaped from the Khmer Rouge. And it was a time of, of him facing his internal demons from his past. It was a time of us seeing how can we go to this nation that is 98% unreached. 98% of the population of Cambodia has never heard the name Jesus and doesn't have access to it. And God has opened doors. And in three short years, we have not just been back, but we've been back multiple times. We've seen hundreds come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We've seen entire villages come to salvation. We've seen churches planted. And every time we go back, we are baptizing more who've come to know the Lord and Savior, not because we've gone, but because the people that we have shared Christ with are making disciples. Yes, clap. I firmly believe in my lifetime that Cambodia will go from being 98% unreached to 98% reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I dare to dream big. Because God has told me that if I trust in him, he'll give me the desires of my heart. And I know that his desire is that none should perish. That all my people would have access to the gospel. And so I ask for that and I trust in him knowing that he will give me the desires of my heart. Interestingly enough, as we have gone out all around the world over the past eight years, God has brought the world to us. You can be a member of this church and do international missions without ever leaving your front door. We have a ministry now called Friendship Partners, Richard mentioned earlier. International students come into the university campuses here and, and coming and, and having American family that says, we will adopt you while you're in the States. Come wash your clothes at our house. Come let us feed you every once in a while. Let us be here to meet your needs. And did you know that many of these international students come and go home without ever meeting an American family and getting really involved? Ever. We know international students that have come, brought gifts for the American families they would meet, and went home with those gifts because they never met someone that took personal interest in them. By taking personal interest in these friendship partners, you can have a, a welcoming spirit, and you can mobilize international missions by sharing Christ's love with them while they're here. If they turn around and take Christ's love back to the countries they came from, we are evangelizing the entire world without ever leaving our front doorstep. In the first service, we closed... The message, baptizing a young Korean lady who has been an international exchange student at CCA and lived with one of our families as her host mom and dad for two years now. And her entire family's Buddhist. And over the course of two years, she has come to know the Lord and Savior. Did you know now that her parents are sending her emails asking her to pray for things when they need prayer? Her little brother got a picture Bible from her when she went back, and, and he's reading that Bible, and he's, he's talking to her all the time about how cool it is, and he's wanting a new version that just came out. Why? 
because a family in this church, in this congregation said, we will open our doors. We will welcome this Korean exchange student. We will not only welcome her, we will love on her. We will help her learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will pray for her. We will love on her. We will go with her. And then we will mobilize her when she has received the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will mobilize her back to her family in Korea. And that family, which was once Buddhist, will one day be saved. That excites me. And it excites God. Because it is his desire that none of that family should perish. But that they should come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question for us this morning, with this I close, is where is your heart? Is your relationship with Christ about you? Is my relationship with Christ about me? Or is my heart broken for the things that... Break God's heart. Am I getting involved in God's purpose, in God's plan? And in doing that, growing in intimacy with the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and life seems to be consuming you more than you enjoying life. Maybe where Christ says the thief comes to still come and destroy, but I've come to give you abundant life. Maybe that abundant life is something you're not experiencing this morning. May, may I suggest to you that, that quite possibly... One of the reasons you're not experiencing that abundant life is because your heart is still on the things that you want. And, and maybe if you would turn your heart to the things that God wants, his prevenient grace through you would become your sanctifying grace and you would find yourself in a life of abundance and blessing because your desires would be his desires. And when our desires are matched with his desires, they're granted unto us. We're going to end with one song, and the altar is going to be open, and I invite you to come. I invite you to be praying for the nations. I invite you to be learning about how you can get involved. I invite you this morning to ask God where you are at in your relationship with Christ. And if there's one of these areas that you need to invest more time and invest your heart, will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the blessing that was Jesus Christ, for being a missional God and not just leaving us to our peril, from sin, but sending your son to die on the cross that we might have a restored relationship with you, that we might know you and walk with you as Adam and Eve did in the garden, that we might celebrate you and the abundance of life you come to give. God, I pray that you would work in us, that our heart's desire would be your heart beats passion, that as a church, as we've seen many wondrous things over the past decades that what you have in store for us in the future would blow that into the water I pray that we would be a people who are about your purpose about your heart's desire that as we take your kingdom to the world that you would in turn sanctify us grow in intimacy with us and live amongst us Lord we commit ourselves to you this morning we pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.